Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NBA strategy show presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Dave Lochran on the Twitters at Lafayette underscore D. Got into it yesterday. I mean, I pulled an Adam share. Uh, L O U G H Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners. Joined by Adam share at Ship My Money DFS as we head into the Eastern Conference finals here between the Miami Heat hosting the Boston Celtics. What's going on, brother? How are you feeling this morning? Pretty good. Uh, it was nice having a break from basketball yesterday. Uh, nice to get to the, the, the conference finals today. Should be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 204 total in this game. And quite frankly, I like the under. I, I, I just, it, two really good defensive teams, two good offensive teams, too. But, you know, two teams that played it at bottom three and seven paces, Miami and, and Boston, respectively, in, in, the, in the regular season. Two second and third best defensive ratings in the postseason, fourth or first and fourth best defenses in the regular season. I mean, if we're expecting these games to just be outright shootouts, I think we're reading them wrong. Yeah, agreed. So essentially, when it comes to these, you're talking showdown slates. So a lot of stuff does change. When you're looking at at strategy for a showdown and you're talking about, you know, NBA playoffs we can we can get into football in any time we want right if you're talking about football play uh sorry if you're talking about football just in the sense of being able to get away from dupes and like massive chops of course when they're running millie makers every single showdown slate or 300k up top you're going to get some on, on many of those days but you're also getting opportunities where uh, a one per, less than one percent owned guy can catch one ball or take a you know, a sweep to the house for, or an end around to the house for, for, for 60 yards and a touchdown. Like I remember that Chicago bears game on prime time. I, I, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but there were, I think it was like Jakeem Grant and someone else both had long touchdowns. Oh and, yeah. I remember. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, that was th this past year and that stuff happens. But with the NBA, once you get into the conference finals, no less, right. Already in the postseason. Uh, I've actually, I wanted to ask you this question. We can dive into it a little bit more tonight when we do the deeper dive. Are there ways to say, you know what, maybe I, I, I will, I, I'm going to get different. I, I'll try to do it here knowing though that rotations are going to, to be weird. And of course it's the first game of the series. So maybe, maybe there are ways we can exploit that. And, and these coaches do something different. Yeah. I mean, the first game, there's at least you know, you have a little bit less idea of, of what a rotation is going to look like. You know, for example, maybe Duncan Robinson plays this series. Uh, I'm, I'm not expecting that to really be the case. But, you know, you, you could at least see different rotations, different matchup. We don't know, you know, exactly how the coaches are going to attack it. But in general, I agree with your point that it's just more difficult to grab that random guy that does well. One thing I will mention as a general roster or not even roster construction thing, just as a general process thing. If you're somebody that uses an optimizer, regardless of which one it is, make sure for showdown when you are crunching your lineups that you set the minimum score to zero because it's not every slate. I don't think it's tonight, but um, there are times where you actually can make better lineups by just taking you know a $200 guy that is not going to play than forcing in six guys that that are going to play uh so that is just one thing to to keep in mind there there have been slates in the past where uh i forget to do it and i realize after lock that i didn't play my best lineups kind of thing so um just 
kind of along those lines be sure to you that to remember that you do that because or to do that um not that you're gonna just like force it in but there are some slates where it, it gives you some good lineups and you also naturally end up being a little bit more contrarian because obviously a lot of people aren't doing that that is a great point yeah do you see a decent amount of do you think we i won't say a decent amount but do you think we will see some games this postseason right because now we're about to have showdown slates of course they they have some of these classic slates as well where you're you know you're you're waiting two days but from now on out through the rest of the 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 conference finals and the finals you're going to see single game slates uh do you think we will see some of these where the winner or the optimal lineup has a zero with a minimum salary like two hundred dollar player it kind of depends on what or a thousand dollar i'm sorry it's not football what'd you say I said, I'm sorry, $1,000, not $200 minimum is football. $1,000 minimum is basketball. I just uh, got it yeah, back. I said 200 also, but um, that, that makes my point more like more accurate about the making sure you crunch with a zero. But um, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what the sites do with pricing. Like today on DraftKings, the most expensive player is what? Butler at 10800 10, Tatum. Oh, it's, oh, yeah, it is Tatum. Um, so, but, but they didn't get like too carried away with the – with the pricing. So um, if you were to start getting really aggressive pricing, like, you know, when Luca plays, for example, if they were to make him really expensive, then maybe you get a slate where you would rather just take the zero and get a better like fourth piece than go, you know, Dwight Powell for a thousand or whatever it may be. Um, But the playoffs really what's left isn't that star heavy. So I kind of doubt that it ends up being as much of a, of a factor this year. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so. Damn, we're almost at 50 already on a showdown slate. Almost 200 people watching. Appreciate your dedication. I mean, we love baseball, and there are some great baseball shows here, but it is a real testament to, to, to what type of to, – to how many people love basketball that you know we could do this on a Tuesday morning and, and still have all of our people hanging out. So hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. Almost at 77,000 subs, thanks to you wonderful people. And if you want, hit join down below under the thumbs up. Get the free Super Chats each on the custom emojis, the sweet badges. I see Kickstart's got the badge. Bunch of people. Our boy El Negro Loco iced out with that beautiful 12-month badge. I got one too, of course. Uh, And we'll always prioritize your questions and comments uh, along with our premium Discord members. So let me ask you this and then we can get into some of the individual plays adam and i are doing this again tonight so hang with us maybe we'll have a little bit more information it, oddly enough this is one of those slates where both of these shows could be meaningful right this kind of is a foundational piece but the marcus smarteners will he play will he be a hundred percent um even robert williams last time out was 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 active or was available to play and didn't play so these are things that we'll pay attention to but as far as this matchup goes, right, Adam, you have two really good defenses. Uh, you, you have a team like Miami that can play that zone defense and really create trouble. Do you think that you see them really hone in on Jason Tatum and open up more opportunities for guys like Jalen Brown and Al Horford? And on the other side, uh, is this not a much, much more difficult matchup for Jimmy Butler than we saw against either Atlanta uh, or against Philadelphia? Yeah, uh, I agree with both of those. I mean, I think that you see just, just even based on the way that 
Miami played Philadelphia where uh, when Embiid was out, you saw them doing what they could to get the ball out of Harden's hands. When Embiid was in, you saw them doing what they could to get the ball out of Embiid's hands, and they were willing to take their chances with Harden. Um, I expect that they take a similar approach where they're going to do what they can not to let Jason Tatum beat them. If Jalen Brown beats you, like ideally you don't want Tatum or Brown to beat you. Like you can certainly live with Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Al Horford, whatever. Um, But I think that Tatum's probably the number one guy they look to take away here. And that's not to say you can't play Tatum, but it wouldn't be surprising at all if you once again just see decreased usage for Jason Tatum, uh, just like we did for whoever the, the best scorer on the floor was for Philadelphia. For sure. And I'll tell you what, I actually was working on my betting video today over on the Odd Shopper channel. It's not out yet. It'll be up uh, early this afternoon. And I was pretty intrigued by, you know, the Al Horford over 22 and a half points, rebounds and assists. Uh, I think to your point, the the Heat will be okay giving Al Horford open three point looks. I, I think they'll be they'll be fine with Al Horford getting more touches and and having to play somewhat of a facilitator role at times. And we saw early on in that Milwaukee series, but before Yudoka made some some adjustments, Al Horford was really involved in the offense. I mean, in, extremely involved. He played. He's, he averaged almost forty minutes per game in that series. And his shot volume fell through the floor in the final three games. But at the same time, they didn't necessarily need him there. Milwaukee plays a type of defense where Tatum was getting open looks. He could walk in, uh, you know, and, and get mid-range shots up as well. So let's actually start. Well, let's, let's, let's do a little different here. Let's start with some of these non-Tatum and Jalen Brown guys, and then we'll get to them. What about some of the role players for Boston today? How do they look to you at their price points? Yeah, so one thing that I think is really interesting about Boston's rotation here is, well, you mentioned Robert Williams. I'm assuming he plays today. They said yesterday he's not on a minutes limit. I have no idea what to do with that after the guy just, you know, DNP'd in a game that he was available. Um, Game seven, no less. Right. So I'm I'm assuming he doesn't play a lot. I'm assuming that he is, in fact, on some sort of minutes limit. But what I'm kind of curious about is rotation-wise – how many like how many minutes does Al Horford play? Because we know against Milwaukee, they really wanted to pack the paint. Horford uh, has been useful in the Giannis matchup for years, really, regardless of what team he's on, but especially when he was on Boston previously as well. So here in this series, like if he's playing well, sure, he probably plays a lot, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he does play a little bit less, uh, especially with Robert Williams potentially being back. You you know you can use Grant Williams um you know in in that that role as well so i still think that horford plays good minutes but i'm not quite as confident that you're getting that those you know 40 minute games every night from horford it's definitely possible on the other hand though i could also see this being one of those spots where you know jimmy butler does so much damage in the paint obviously he's a good iso player too but he does so much damage in the paint and him and bam out of bio your one and two options horford is such a versatile defender uh, that you could also see this being a spot where they use him a ton to try and slow them down in the paint as well. Yeah, yeah. And to be clear, like I, I still think Horford plays a big role here. Um, it's just I don't know defensively that he has quite as much, that, that there's quite as much need for him as there was against Giannis. Alan Burns said game seven they had in hand all game. Williams didn't need to play. No, it was a five-point game at the half. The five-point game at the half. It, it, no, he... They, they, they outscored them 61 to 38 in the second half. At halftime, that was a very competitive game. So, yeah, D- Daniel Tice played six first half minutes. Like that 
is what I would have expected to be Williams minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think smart plays today? I'm assuming he does. I would think so. What do you, what do you make of Marcus smart? Uh, and we can talk about captain spots here as well. Um, yeah. Instead of doing it like this, let's, let, let's, let's change pace a bit. Are there, are there captains not named Tatum or Brown on Boston that, that we could get to with, I won't say confidence, but it, it does feel like in a game, this is the thing to me when you've got a game with a two Oh four total, right? Two really good defenses and potentially looking to, to key in on guys like Tatum and Brown. I don't think it is insane to say like, yeah, Al Horford could be your optimal captain. He, he had two huge games and three games North of 40 fantasy points against Milwaukee in that series. Marcus smart, maybe a little bit different, but he's played pr pretty well uh, on, on top of that too. So this is a really interesting slate to decide what you want to do at the captain spot. Yeah, and I just crunched 100 lineups, just the top 100 projected lineups using uh, the Osmo projections. And Bre from Boston, Brown and Tatum, obviously the two, the top two captains, but Al Horford and Marcus Smart both getting in there uh, at a decent rate as well, just because it does open stuff up elsewhere in your lineup. You know, you can pay down for one of those guys at captain. They still give you a ceiling, you know, whether it's Horford or Smart, we know they can go get you 40 fantasy points and it allows you to get, uh, you know, Tatum and Brown and Butler uh, or, or, you know, some combination of those guys elsewhere in your lineup. Whereas when you do go to uh, to Jason Tatum at, at captain, for example, now you're looking at lineups where uh, you probably only have you, you either probably have one of that trio in addition to Tatum, um, but then you're also looking at, you know, a lot of like Dwayne Dedman, Caleb Martin, uh, guy, Gabe Vincent, guys like that, that uh, you, you really can't rely on. Whereas when you go to smart Horford, it makes it a little bit easier to balance out the rest of your lineup, probably only need one of the Martin, Dedman, Vincent type type of guys. Yeah, that's a very fair way to look at it. I mean, this is a Boston team that, you know, it's a little bit different about Boston. And, and this is kind of a, an interesting way to look at it. Tatum can have a big game. Brown can have a big game. Horford and Smart can have big games. All of them can have big games. So aside from that, you know, you have a starter, whether it be Robert Williams or, or Grant Williams. And sure, you can look at at that last game with Grant Williams, who attempted. Did you see how many threes he attempted in that game seven? It was like 18. 18. Yeah. So, I mean, sure, Grant Williams can have himself a game. And also, so I understand, like, that Milwaukee's willing to let Grant Williams beat them. But interesting strategy to let the most efficient three-point shooter on the team be the one to get wide open threes all day. Yeah, it's such an odd approach. Like, hey, he's Grant Williams. He doesn't have the name value. So we'll ignore the fact that he was a 41% three-point shooter in the regular season. Right, which, like, right. I get it. You can't just, like, leave Jason Tatum open. You can't leave Jalen Brown open. Sure. But um, it, I, I guess I'm not even questioning Milwaukee so much as, like, people on Twitter that acted like Grant Williams was some guy off the street and, like, this was a total crazy outcome. I mean, it was in the sense that, like, Grant Williams took 18 shots, but he's the best three-point shooter on the team. Him knocking yep. down threes shouldn't be eliciting the reaction of, like, who is this guy? Yeah, right. Well, he did it before too, right? He was like six for, or he was like six for nine or seven. No, was it eight for eleven from three earlier in this in this series in game one? I think Grant Williams shot like eight for eleven from three because I was on all the over props for the threes in that game. But yeah, no, he was was it six for six for nine in in that one game? Yeah, so he can. But I, the point I was getting at is 
you have four or five guys on this Boston starting uh, in this Boston starting lineup that if they were optimal captains, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Even if it was smart or Horford with Philly, or I'm sorry, with Miami, you don't expect it to be PJ Tucker. You, uh, you don't expect it to be, and I'm not saying it can't be, but Gabe Vincent, right? Uh, Max Struess has played well, but really it's Butler and Bam Adebayo. And then there's a really considerable drop off there among your starters. Yeah. So what was your question? I'm saying with Boston, if you're looking at guys that, that you could run as your captain, you could pretty, you pretty much have the pick of the litter in the starting lineup. Whereas Miami, it's not exactly like, Oh yeah, you can just easily throw any of those guys into the captain spot and feel great about it. Oh yeah, for sure. Like Miami looking at, at the captain split in, in the crunches that I, or the crunch that I ran, like Boston, the, the top two highest owned captains are Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And then it's Brown, Tatum, Horford, and then you get Deadman, and then Smart. So it's like you get more total ownership going to the Boston guys, I guess, or, or more – you get more Boston players getting decent ownership. But it's most heavily concentrated on Butler and Bam because uh, they are not as expensive as Tatum and because – um you know, they are heads and head and shoulders better than everybody else that starts on Miami where Tatum and Brown are also, but you, you have a stronger mid range for, for Boston than you do Miami. So I, I guess when it comes to guys like Tatum and Brown, there's not a ton to talk about from a showdown slate, right? From a showdown perspective, it's more so just, do you like, and, and you already hit on this. Would you rather play uh, Tatum in the captain spot, you, you can mention Butler too, but we're still talking about Boston. Would you rather play Tatum and then have to go with two cheap, like two cheap options? You know, one maybe very cheap option, or would you rather go with, with one of these middle tier guys and be able to really open everything up at the utility spot? But I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe you have some more nuance to this. It's, it, 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 that just kind of feels like it's where it is, given that we know how good Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown already are. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it is, too. Like, the only guy showing up that wouldn't fit one of those is one of those categories is, I mean, Deadman, Vincent, Martin are showing up a little bit just in a lineup where, you know, you punt captain and then you can just play, you know, Hero, Bam, Brown, Butler, Tatum. Uh, for example, the third highest projected lineup has Deadman at captain and then those other five guys. Um, so that that's a lineup where, like, I think it gives you a pretty high floor just because you're getting, you know, five of the best scorers. But from a ceiling standpoint, you might be in trouble unless Deadman just happens to do something crazy. Um, and, and since you have Bam in the lineup, the, you don't really want Deadman playing a ton of minutes anyway. So um, I, I think primarily it's going to be one of those two builds that you mentioned. Let's get into a little bit, uh, a few of these other top tier guys on the other side, and then we can get into value for both teams. Uh, by the way, we have a sick promo going on. We want you guys to check these tools out because they're, they're incredible. Whether it's the boom bust tool, the top stack tool, ownership, uh, the lineup builder, everything we have, the baseball, top pitchers, top stacks, ownership projections, uh, player projections, UFC fighter projections, top fighter tools. I could go down the list with golf, with, uh, with NASCAR, with, with eSports, everything, F1, USFL, soccer, tennis, we have tools for, for any sport out there. If there's contests, 
We have content for it. everything built by Osmo himself. You know him, Alex Baker, and managed just by some phenomenal players, Steve Buzzard and, and Sean Zahn and, and guys that, that put a ton of time into these tools that have, you know, helped people have a lot of success. I should tell you what the promo is, though. If you use the promo code NBA Strategy Show, Jordan, can we throw that up? All, all, all one word. All, I'm assuming it's all caps. Not really sure if it has to be. Let's see. Uh, is it all caps? Yeah, all caps, all one word. NBA Strategy Show, 50% off your first month. 50% off your first month, not just basketball, not an express pass, not just, you know, baseball, everything on the site, Awesome Plus Platinum, 50%, 5-0 off of the first month. You got to be a new user. Have to be a new user, obviously, but use the promo code NBA Strategy Show, all caps, all one word. Get every single tool on our site. And if you want to get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on that, that Adam was just talking about, you can do that as well. NBA Strategy Show, all caps, all one word, awesome.com slash join. All right. Jimmy Butler. He's been one of the best. Someone said he's been the best player in the postseason thus far. And, and, and as much as I love Jimmy Butler, maybe forgetting crazy. about a fellow by the name of Luka Doncic. Yeah. But... Luka's been great. Or I'm sorry, uh, Butler's been great. This is a, a tough matchup for him. There's no doubt. But do we? Do you think we still see the same usage rate, the same amount of involvement uh, in this series that we did last series? Or do you think he becomes more of a facilitator? I think you still see increased yeah. usage just because he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to get to make decisions. Um, but I do think uh, you see plenty of facilitating as well, especially for as long as Kyle Lowry's out. I mean, the one thing to keep in mind that could change it is now he's playing a good team as opposed to, you know, dog shit Philly. But I think that, you know, other than than that, we, we should still expect Butler to have an increased usage rate compared to the regular season since uh, he's still going to be making a lot of decisions. He's going to call his own number whenever he wants. Right. I, you still have to like Jimmy here. And like I said earlier, he's such a good ISO player that he's going to get as many shots as he as he's he's got going to be some contested shots, some tough shots. But uh, like Philly didn't have anybody to who who's going to slow down Jimmy Butler is the question. Like Matisse Thybul certainly can't do it because he's constantly in foul trouble and he's a liability everywhere else. They tried they tried Harden, uh, and then with Embiid being back they still crush them in the pick and roll you. I think you mentioned it too. Like Philly's pick and roll defense was so bad in that series. Boston doesn't have any of those weaknesses. So I still love Butler, but I'm not as high on him as I have been before. What about Bam though? I like Bam here. Um, I, Bam to me was pretty disappointing in the last series. And part of that I'm sure can be attributed to Embiid. Part of it though, outside of like that one game when Embiid was out, Bam just didn't really do as much as I expected him to. Part of that I think was that, you know, Butler's usage was up, but Bam also wasn't rebounding at the same rates either. Uh, but he did come into that series banged up. Now he has had, you know, more time to, to heal, hopefully. Uh, so I do like this as a bounce back series for Bam. And, and obviously he's less expensive than Butler too. Yeah. So I, Adam didn't get the reaction he wanted from Lafayette. Well, I, I didn't even hear. What did you say? I know you me? weren't listening. I, I just threw in a – they're playing a good team now instead of dog shit Philly. And you just, completely, you just completely no-sold it. I was like, yeah, he's not even listening. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I would have reacted anyway, to be yeah, honest. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I've been saying – I don't I, I don't know why people think I was expecting the Sixers to win that series. I didn't at all. I'm surprised they won two games. 
But yeah, I, I'm looking here and, and some of the mid-range guys like Max Struess, right? This guy has back-to-back double-doubles. And if people are wondering why Duncan Robinson hasn't been been getting run, one of the reasons, really actually the simplest reason is that Max Struess is, is shooting well. He's a 40% three-point shooter and he's a much better defender than Duncan Robinson. So it really takes Robinson's main skill set and negates it and just kind of exposes where he's weak. Yeah, the reason Robinson's not playing is because Max Struess is doing what Duncan Robinson got a massive contract to be able to Plus do. Plus defense. Plus defense. Well, Robinson was a solid defender. Sure, but if 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 Robinson was as good a defender as Struess or has played as well as Struess, don't you think he'd be getting some minutes on that contract? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They paid him to be what Max Struess is. Right, but I'm saying Struess has been even better because sure. otherwise they'd both be playing. Right, Struess is doing what they thought Robinson was going to be. About. That's that's the yes, hundred percent. That's that, that's a perfect way to look at it. So Struess played forty minutes last game. I mean, he's clearly played an integral role in in this this Heat offense. They have no Kyle Lowry today. We can get into Gabe Vincent, but what do you make of of Max Struess now coming into this series after two big games to close out that Philly series? So I, I don't think that you can expect him to replicate what he did in those last couple of games. But at the same time, I expect him to play a lot here. There's wing guys to defend on Boston, obviously, um, really more so than Philadelphia, probably. Like, you're not going to be as concerned about, obviously, you have Harden. But when you talk about the Harris Maxi pieces, you're not as concerned about them as you are Jalen Brown. So I expect Struce to be out there a lot. I expect him to play a lot of minutes. Uh, it's Still a pretty cheap price tag at 5600 He is only $100 more expensive than Hero. That is one spot, I think, to, to certainly pay attention to ownership because, wait, our salaries are wrong somewhere. How much is our Hero and Struis on DraftKings? Hero is, no, I don't think they're wrong. Are you so, I mean, at... in the ownership projections, we have Hero at 6600 In the projections, we have him at 5600 Oh, oh! You're saying ownership and projections are off? Uh, no, I'm saying the our salary file is. I was just trying to look at our salaries and say how much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, they were. So hero, hero is actually sixty six, not captain, just utility. Struess is actually seven k. Okay, so our ownership salaries are right. Our projection salaries are not. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, it's that's not as appealing a price tag as I thought it was when I was looking at fifty six hundred. Um, I, I, I think it creates the same similar situation that I was going to say, though, where Hero really struggled last series. And I think maybe it makes people shy away from him. But at the same time, right now, we have Hero projected for 39% ownership, Struess only at 24. If we get if we get a split like that, I like going to Struess because I still believe that, you know, yeah, if they're down, if they need scoring, they're going to go to Hero. But I think you can still get a lot of minutes for, for Struess. And he doesn't necessarily have to lose minutes to hero either like he can be in the closing line of one way or the other hero probably closes over vincent alan said ownership is based on showdown but you have the two game slate prices do you have oh got it okay so our projections are pulling from the from from the actual non-showdown slate that would make sense given that they're all cheaper yeah yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's got to be what it is. So I'm, I'm thinking now, 
where you have Butler and Bam and Struess and, and PJ Tucker, who is never going to excite anybody, but you would once again expect big, big minutes here. I mean, defensively, this is one of those spots where you're going to want PJ Tucker on the floor. I, I just, I, I don't see how that, how you're not going to want Tucker on the floor against, you know, S- Philly didn't have the wing players that, that Boston does. Right. Like Boston is loaded on talented wings, right? specifically Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. Right. But also just a bevy of good three point shooters in Philly. You had Joel Embiid who, Listen, Philly fans will get upset with this, and I, I've been saying this. I, I said it to a bunch of friends a, a, a week or so ago, and they they weren't in love with it. You're not going to win a finals where Joel Embiid is 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 your your go to guy. Like Joel Embiid's not going to win you a finals unless you have somebody else that can take a ton of pressure off, and I mean a ton of pressure off because you like look how a wing player can take over a game like Jason Tatum has done. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo is your one exception because he's just not normal and he can get to the basket however he wants, whenever he wants. But you're just not going to get it done that way. As good as Joel Embiid is, the fact that he led the league in scoring this year, it, it's never enough. I'll throw Jokic in as an exception also. What? I'll throw Jokic in as an exception also. No, you're not. No way. No, he's not. You don't think you can win with Jokic as your best player? Uh, I think... It with Jokic as your best player, as the guy that you're just feeding the ball in, in postseason games. No. He's too good of a passer. Hey, he's a good passer. I still, I still don't think. Well, hey, we'll like, see. Like you, you obviously need talent around him. Of course, um, and well, yeah, I agree of course. With I'm not I, saying he wins with the the iteration of the team yeah. that he has now. No, and I agree with your overall point. Wings win in the NBA, but I, I'm just throwing Jokic as an, in as an exception because he is such a good passer that it makes it more difficult to do to him what you do to Embiid. Yeah, that is that is fair. Um, that is fair. If you're getting if you're getting in the ball though, like at the top of the key and the triples are coming, Jokic definitely a good passer. But in spots like that, the ball's just not going to be in his hands as much. So, but, but Jokic just Jokic just runs point or catch. Yeah, of, of of course. Yeah, yes, I, I, I got you. But I'm saying when you're putting him in a situation like that, you're forcing the pass every time. Sure, right. That's what that's all I meant. But yeah, you're right. But you're just not going to give up those shots. So all I mean is that when you have a team like Boston, you're just facing if, if you're the Miami defense, you're facing such a different team that scores in such a different way than the 76ers, who can, especially if hard if Harden's shooting like he did in game four, very tough to stop him. When he is not, you can neutralize the Sixers quickly, and we've seen that. That's not the case with Boston. So I do think you could see another, you know, huge minute game from P.J. Tucker. What he does with those minutes, I don't know, but I think you see a lot of minutes from him. And this is the type of guy that you want out there defending some of the best wing players in basketball. Yeah, um, I agree. There's just so many different ways for P.J. Tucker to stay on the floor here. And Lowry being out does, I think – um, help solidify those minutes as well. Like even if Lowry were in, I would still expect PJ Tucker to play a lot of minutes for defensive reasons. But when you start thinking about the closing lineup, um, that's one more guy that you assume is in there. So like if Lowry's in, you're talking about Lowry, Bam, Butler for sure being in the closing lineup. And then you have two spots left between, you know, Struess, Tucker, uh, Hero, basically. But with Lowry out, the only guys that are really guaranteed to be in the closing lineup are Bam and Butler. It makes it a lot easier for, for Tucker to be in there, kind of regardless of what 
how the game is going, um, you know, have Tucker in there to play defense, knock down his corner threes if, if he needs to. Uh, and then you can still have two of Struess, uh, Vincent, Hero in the closing lineup alongside them. So um, I think that makes the minutes look a little bit more stable as well. I know you haven't dug into this series a ton yet, and we still haven't seen a game, but who do you think benefits the most and who do you think is hurt the most from these specific matchups on either side? Is there anyone you think just from a playing time standpoint or from an opportunity standpoint is helped the most? And, and is there anyone you think that is hurt the most? Compared to last series? Yeah, compared to last series. I think Butler's hurt the most. And, and again, that's not that I dislike Butler. It's that I don't think, you know, he he was fantastic last series. And I think this is a much more difficult matchup for him. Um, and then related, I think Bam has helped as a result. Um, on the Boston side, I would say... I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think the Bam Butler trade-off is probably where I feel the most comfortable. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know if there's like a one for one trade off in Boston, but I do think, I think Tatum's going to have a tougher time getting shots for sure. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Tatum's usage was down last series too. Yeah. But didn't it increase significantly? It might, it might have increased towards the end. I know through like four games, he was at like 26%. Yeah. Th those were the games that Horford was crushing. I don't know. It's tough to say. Yeah, it, it, that last game Tatum's usage was down, but games three, four, five, and six, it was definitely uh, back up to to a, a pretty high level. Well, granted, the guy was playing 42, 43 yeah. minutes a night. So Overall for the series, it ended up at 29.8%. So it, it really came up at the end. Yeah, and that's, again, across 40-plus minutes per game. Anyone else in the, in the top tier or the mid-range worth talking about before we dig into some value, which is always super necessary to get to on these slates? Um, I mean, we, we talked about Horford and Smart. I think those stand out as like the two best mid-range guys. Um, Hero, the, the Hero Struce piece, I think is really interesting. Uh, as I said before, given the the ownership, like Hero is the guy that I think projects better and that you expect to play a lot of minutes. They'll need his scoring here. Like, especially if Boston's doing what they can to take away Butler. And, you know, it, it's still a difficult matchup for Bam inside. You know, it's not like Boston's weak on the interior. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, they'll probably rely on hero scoring a little bit more here, but I think that the, the gap in ownership right now is probably a little bit wider than it should be. Uh, but there there's outside of that, there's not a lot of, of mid range guys here. Like Victor Oladipo is priced up to 6,200. He's getting 19% ownership. You can throw some darts there, but it's not like I'm, I'm comfortable with that price tag. Yeah, me neither. I would be comfortable getting to a hundred likes though. That would be great. 16 to go 350 people watch it. 35 minutes into today's show for the conference finals, baby. Yes. Finally there means a lot of showdown slates, but these are going to be some fun series. Hey, I, I want to ask you completely unrelated. We will talk about it tomorrow, but who do you have in these series just off the top of your head and how many games uh, golden state, Dallas and Boston, Miami. I'll say, thanks for reminding me what the other series was. Um, I figured, are you being, so you're being serious, right? Oh, I, I was completely blanking on Golden State. I do that all the time. That's yeah. why I, that, I forget all the time. Yeah. Um, Boston, I'm biased, but Boston, who's home tonight? Miami. So Boston in six. And then who's home in the Golden State? Golden State's home. Um, Golden State in seven. That's exactly what I said on my on my video yesterday. Boston in six, Golden State in seven which are the two shortest odds if you're looking at like bet to bet how many games does this series go? I, I think Golden State ultimately is just 
a, a team that has been there many times before and can do it again. But I don't think Dallas is going to, I don't think Dallas is going to go down without putting up a pretty serious fight. That defense is scary good. And they have the best player. Like yeah, that goes do. so far. They, they have the best player. Yeah. You know, what's funny though. The Warriors are minus like 300, no, minus 330 to win the series or something. But it's, it has it, minus 330 to go this, to, to win the series. But then the, the shortest odds are for it to go to seven. The well, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's because of where the games are played. Like people in chat right now are saying Warriors in six. Like, sure, but you're just, and you have them closing it out on Dallas's home floor. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got like, you. you're, you're always taking the, if you're just talking about what is most likely, it's going to be the, yeah, the right. home team in five or seven or the road team in six. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Unless you're unless you're the Dallas Mavericks in game seven at Phoenix. Right. My God. All right. Let's get in, uh, into some value here. Before we do, though, shout out to our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. They got some awesome stuff going on right now. I mean, $10 million prize pool in that fantasy football best ball contest. It's phenomenal. And not only is it two mil to first and mil to second, but it's a million to the to the regular season winner, the highest score in the regular season, which is so nice. I mean, not only do you not go home empty-handed, but you're catching a million dollars, even if you don't win at all. It's awesome. Underdogfantasy.com. They got uh, a lot of other stuff going on, too. And if you use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, they'll double your first deposit up to $100. Tonight, 25K Eastern Conference Clash. Their NBA contests are great, too. I know a lot of you guys prefer to do NBA stuff. You're not into football yet. 25K Eastern Conference class with 5K up top. You can go to underdog.com, uh, underdogfantasy.com, sorry, or download it in the app or the Google Play Store and get that get that deposit bonus. They'll double it up to $100 using the promo code Osmo. Check out their player prop contest, all of their NBA stuff, and, of course, that monster best ball contest for football. It's the best place for best ball right now, in my opinion, at least hands down. It really is. It's their best ball is better than DraftKings for sure. All right. Value. This is where we got to get into the weeds a little bit here. I'll toss it over to you. Where do you want to start? And and what do we want to qualify value? Obviously, assuming let's say that Marcus Smart is, is playing. So I, I think I mean, as, as far as who's showing up the most, Gabe Vincent at 4,200 is the one that really stands out. It's still risky because it's Gabe Vincent and because he's not in a good matchup, but uh, he should get the start again and is likely to give you, you know, at least solid minutes for that price. But then the other thing is when you just look at the the other options, you know, even Derek White is $1,000 more than Vincent. Uh, Grant Williams is $800 more than Vincent. PJ Tucker is $1,200 more. There's nobody really comparable in that price range. Uh, the only person even priced between $4,000 and $5,000, except for Gabe Vincent, is Robert Williams. And who the hell knows how many minutes he plays? Yeah. King of smack. Welcome to the team, man. Sweet badge. <sighs> Who else are you getting? How many minutes do you think Deadman plays? I know you haven't done rotations yet, but do you think you would just get another standard like 12 minutes from Dwayne Deadman? Tops. Tops, right? 
I mean, 10. Yeah, I mean, b- barring, barring Bam, foul trouble, injury, whatever. Um, because, like, clearly you don't expect him to play alongside Bam. You expect Bam to play 34 to 35 at least. And Deadman can play all the backup minutes, but also doesn't have to. Like, you could get lineups where P.J. Tucker is at the five. I, I think on average I would expect, like, 10 to 12 minutes from Deadman. I'm not really sure what to do with Derek White either. Not to say he's value, but what do you, where do we go with Derek White today? Kind of in no man's land. Yeah, it's a tough price tag just given that he's not a great point-per-minute guy. Like, when he's on the floor, they're not looking for him to, to really score. The, he, you know, he, he's, he's a good defender. He can, he, he's a good player, but it's like Tatum and Brown are going to play so many minutes that you're, not, you're never running the offense through Derek White or anything. So uh, the point-per-minute production typically isn't going to be there. I still think that he's a decent value just because there isn't a whole lot of, of other value. Um, but, for example, in the, you know, the top 100 lineups that I crunched, just using projections, no randomness, nothing, Gabe Vincent showed up 50% of the time. Derek White showed up eight. Wow. Dwayne Dedman showed up 49 just because he's so cheap. Wow. And that's okay. with a 12, point, 12 fantasy point projection. Yeah, that's, that's a huge difference. And, and I don't disagree with it. Roddy Piper, thanks for the uh, super chat as well. Are there any other cheap options that, that you're looking to get to? And maybe this would be a best way to close the show. Are there any of it will come full circle here. Are there any of these players that haven't been in the rotation or are playing extremely scarce minutes that, you think could warrant some some attention today if you're playing in, in 150 max, you know, large field tournaments. So where I think you where I think probably the most the, the biggest questions are is when you look down to the bottom of the pricing. Right now, Caleb Martin's projected for 14% ownership. He's a thousand dollars, so that's why. Duncan Robinson's projected for seven percent, also a thousand dollars. I have no confidence that Duncan Robinson plays many, if any, minutes here. But, for example, in Miami's last game, Caleb Martin played five and a half minutes. Duncan Robinson played four. That's a very reasonable outcome again today. If you're playing if you're playing one in tournaments, just take the lower on one. It, it's, you know, there, there's no, like, Caleb Martin is better defensively. I think that he's ahead of, of Robinson in the rotation. But... I'm not very confident in that. And I think like if this were a game where they're down, maybe Robinson plays a little bit more to try and get him hot. So I I just don't think there should be a two to one ownership gap between Martin and Robinson. Uh, Not that either one's a very good play because they're not, but you know, it's, it's value. It opens stuff up. Um, I just think that the ownership should be about the same there. Similarly, you have uh, Peyton Pritchard at 3,600. Just going to ask you about him. No ownership at all. Right. I I think that he's overpriced at 3,600, but there's at least he's in the rotation and there's some sort of path to him having a good game. Even if he plays 12 minutes, he can just get hot, knock down a few threes and he ends up being, you know, a good value at 3,600, especially when you think about like Dwayne Dedman getting a lot of ownership. Dedman's coming in at actually Dedman's only coming in at 25%. I thought it'd be higher, but Dedman coming in at 25%. It's a situation where like Dedman's going to get ownership just because he's the cheapest guy that you can have any semblance of faith in his fantasy production. But you still can't have that much confidence. Like the guy could realistically play eight minutes, depending on how this rotation goes, uh, and and just completely kill you. Like it's not crazy to think that Peyton Pritchard, like if Deadman, if you get a bad rotation for Deadman, he plays seven, eight minutes, gets let's say six fantasy points. Pritchard plays twelve minutes, gets twelve fantasy points. That's sixteen hundred dollars. You probably can make it up, 
like like you're probably going to want Pritchard in that case. So um, it's not too far fetched, I don't think, to say that Pritchard, even though he doesn't look great at 3600, at only six percent ownership in tournaments, does make some sense. I'll take it a step further. So Peyton Pritchard last game was huge in the fourth quarter. That's one of the reasons he stayed out there. But what if he really does come in with single-digit ownership? Marcus Smart plays, but that foot bothers him and his minutes are limited or he leaves the game. I mean, that's a very realistic possibility that Peyton Pritchard's minutes uh, spike in the event that Marcus Smart isn't right and he tries to gut it out, but it doesn't work. Yeah, that's a a good point as well, Um, which – I was going to say, and it's much more far-fetched than what you just said, um, the Yurts have been at 1K piece. Like, you, I probably won't, but in large field tournaments, the most, I think the most obvious, like, what if something really wild happens play would be just say, like, throw Yurts have in over Deadman and hope that, I don't know, Deadman gets the flu or something and your seven just happens to, to get minutes like it's not going to happen but at the same time when it does you make a lot of money absolutely anybody we haven't talked about yet no i think i've mentioned every single player that will be in uniform all right you and i'll be doing this again tonight maybe we'll have some more news marcus smart we'll see thank you by the way 116 likes almost 400 concurrent here uh for a single game showdown slate between the boston celtics and the heat we just like basketball And we're going to continue to talk about it until basketball is no longer with us. Remember, 50% off the entire month, everything at Awesome Mo. Promo code NBA Strategy Show, all one word, all caps, NBA Strategy Show at awesomemo.com slash join. Got to be a new user, but uh, what an insanely sick deal. Half off of everything for every sport on the site for the entire month, not just the week. Follow Adam at ShipMyMoneyDFS, me at Lafayette underscore D, and stick around. Coming up shortly is the MLB Strategy Show. Who's on that? You got Greg, Matt LaMarca, 11 o'clock, PJ Strategy Show at 1, MLB Live before like at 5.15. And then, yo, we got some late shows going forward, man. It's basically all going to be 6.30 and later. So uh, buckle in. We'll see you back here tonight on the Deeper Dive at 6.30 Eastern time. Peace.